Hello and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast where we talk about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. I'm Becky and there's my podcast Marie across the Zoom. How yep. are you today? I'm pretty good today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we launch into our topic of the day, I need to do a, at least one revisit to something we talked about last week. And do you want to do a revisit to something we talked about a couple months ago? Yeah, so, yeah. Just I'll just do it real quick. I wanted to mention to our listeners that there's a new documentary on HBO called Q Into the Storm. I highly, highly recommend it if you were interested in our QAnon episode, because in my opinion, it reveals who Q is. And in a way, it kind of vindicates what we were saying that Q is just some people on the internet that are messing with people and creating misinformation for their own purposes, whatever those may be, financial or, or just a power trip. But if you're at all interested in the movement and how it got started and who controlled 8chan and all that, it, it lays it all out. You get to see all the players. And I think it's something that would be valuable to watch, especially if any of the listeners out there are still like on the fence about whether or not QAnon is a good thing or a bad thing or legit or not. Watch this. Watch it with an open mind. By the way, the episode is back. um, I think we released it the day of the riot, right? Mm -hmm. Accidentally happened to the day of the insurrection. Well, so if you want to go back to that episode, it's Jan 6th and- It's called QAnon, QAnope. Um, okay, I have something I want to address from last week. If you have not listened to that one, what do we call it? I like to say the names because right. I want people to know what to go look for. I'm not making fun of Lifetime movies. That's what it's called. So if you go back to the one from last week, I'm not making fun of Lifetime movies. The beginning of it, Marie introduced this review of the movie Promising Young Woman from a a writer who I basically told to go and do certain things to his anatomy named Kyle. And the review is in National Review. And he referenced some things and made up some things that were so false and so wrong and so sick that I just wanted to come back and counter that because I was already about to have an embolism over it last week. And I saw that. I I saw the embolism rise. Yes, it was forming. It was forming, right? You could see it right there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the things that he, I'll just, I'll do it real quick. Kyle, Kyle brought up the Rolling Stone, a rape on campus debacle from 2014. So for those of you who don't know, briefly, there's a writer who published in Rolling Stone, a story called a rape on campus about a victim called Jackie. The pseudonym she gave her was Jackie, who had this very graphic, vivid detail story of a gang rape at a fraternity house at U of Virginia. And it turned out that this was not real. The story wasn't reliable. She was not reliable. The the writer of the story didn't vet everything, didn't interview all the players, took her at her word, and this was not real. At least the story, the way it was presented in Rolling Stone. I'm not saying that nothing happened to this girl. I'm just saying the story in Rolling Stone turned out to not be real. And so that case of the Jackie person from Rolling Stone has become what people like Kyle, who wrote that thing in National Review, and people who are rape deniers, they pin all of it on that. Look, you say people don't lie about being raped? Look at Jackie and Rolling Stone. And the media believes it and da 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 And like during the Kavanaugh, the confirmation hearings, and Dr. Ford was up there and they were like, well, I'm not saying she's lying, but if you think women don't lie, look at Jackie and Rolling Stone, you know. Right. It's become this touchstone for them. 
And one of the things Kyle said was that the writer called around to every university she could find and all the Ivy League schools to see if she could find any stories of rape and whatever. He said she didn't find one story of gang rape. That is not how the story came about. That is not how she ended up at the University of Virginia. She did call other campuses, but none of the stories she found were the type of story she wanted to investigate. Hey, Kyle, that's how journalism works. You want to do a story, you want to find the story that fits with what you're trying to find. I'm not saying you make stuff up. I'm saying you don't just do a story. Oh, well, I couldn't find a story when I called Yale and that's my story. No, that's not what happened. You can find a very detailed description of how she ended up at University of Virginia. There's a reason why. And she explains it in a couple different places where she's interviewed. Washington Post is one of them. I'll put the sources on our website, fearthispodcast.com. But one of the things that really bothers me is like, saying there's no evidence even with dr ford and brett kavanaugh there's no evidence we need to rethink about what we mean by evidence because witnesses and victims testimony is evidence and i'm not saying that it doesn't need to be corroborated but don't tell me there's no evidence because sometimes there's literally no physical evidence by the time someone comes forward with the things that have happened to them. In fact, there's a woman who wrote a book about her gang rape at a fraternity house in the University of Virginia, which is part of, I think, why the Rolling Stone article wanted to go there. And this happened in 84, I believe. And the reason why she ended up prosecuting very recently in the last 10 years or so, even though it happened that long ago, because one of the men called her up to apologize. (laughs) And she was like, what? No, no, we're going to do it the other way. And for felonies, there's no statute of limitations in Virginia. Uh-huh. So they were able to prosecute him. Yeah. Now he pled it down. And I think he maybe served a couple of years instead of what he probably should have. But it was, you want to tell me that story didn't happen? Of course it happened. And even though there were no repercussions until later, of course it happened. So don't tell me there's no evidence and don't tell me it doesn't happen. But there's also, you gave this statistic. And again, our sources are on our website. The statistic of, I think it's one third of acquaintance rapes, the perpetrator is drunk. And to me, that says, well, then shouldn't guys not get drunk? If you're gonna, (laughs) it seems to make them rapists. You're telling him not to get drunk? Yeah. Want to prevent rape? Dudes, don't drink, right? Because that's what we always say to her. So one third of these situations would never happen. So dudes, this is, this is where it's going to start. It's like that thing in that Ripper movie, that documentary about the Uh Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah where all the women were like told to stay home. They're like, we right. didn't fucking do anything. And I was saying to Curtis, why don't all the men have to stay home? Why right. don't you lock up all the dudes after dark? You know? It'll be easier to catch the guy, right? Because he'll be the only dude on the street. Exactly, right? So anyway, that's what I was saying. Like, you want to prevent rape? Stop dudes from drinking. There you go. Yeah. And this is the thing I also wanted to bring up. The people who should be fighting for the safety of women and against sexual assault the most are the men who aren't doing it. Because y'all are the ones who have to deal with us being scared of you and have to deal with us worried about you when you get on an elevator. Mm -hmm. So dudes, you want to not be falsely accused or have someone think bad things about you or be scared of you for quote unquote, no reason when you walk through a parking garage, then y'all need to put an end to the other dudes who are doing the raping. I agree. All right. Well, that's settled for now. Yeah. We solved the world's problems. Y'all just stop the raping and uh, we're good, right? Yeah, totally. All right. Okay. Well, now let's move on to another (laughs) problem, another fear. And maybe this fear relates in some way, in a a lot of ways, to a lot of people that have had positions of power in our culture seem very, very concerned about losing any ground at all. Yes. 
to the point of being absurd. Absurd. And speaking of sexual assault, one of the leaders who's an advocate for men to just like uh, behave, you know, his name is Jackson Katz. I saw him speak when I was teaching. And number one, he said, privilege is invisible to those who have it. And number two, he said, when you are accustomed to privilege, equality can feel like oppression. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Right. And it's so true because you have that privilege. You don't necessarily recognize it unless you look around to see it. And then when somebody tries to equalize things, it feels like something is being taken from you. It's not. Okay. Okay. We're done. We're done with that. We Are we? Oh, no. um, we're done with that for now. No. Yeah. What was our topic? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be such a screwy episode. <laughs> all right. So okay. along those lines, yeah. doesn't relate at all. <laughs> Should we just air ourselves out? Last week, we started talking about road rage and we just, we didn't feel like we were being funny. We just felt like we were too grouchy old ladies. I sound like I'm half asleep in that episode, first of all. <laughs> I'm not even sure. What was I, was I napping? And and then I'm just reciting statistics no one wants to hear. Right. And then I'm just telling random stories. So yeah, we recorded it and I hated it. And so we're adding to it. So if this sounds a little bit odd, you know why, because right. it's recorded on two different days. So y'all forgive us for that. We're going to try <laughs> not to talk about it like two women in the nursing home that are complaining about how the kids are driving. <laughs> Right. we're gonna we're gonna take it to a new place <laughs> yeah we're gonna become the old women again next week when we talk about babysitting okay right exactly you can you believe how much kids make babysitting these days okay <laughs> so generally when we do this show you and i try to tell people we don't really want to make your lives better or improve you in any way right, right. <laughs> like if you found yourself getting something from this show then you really need to take a look at your life but this is not going to be one of those shows because i actually do have a practical solution for road rage i'm going to come to that later on but this is one of those where i'm actually going to be giving y'all advice because i used to teach this in my classes okay so road rage is one of those things that car accidents in the same way but road rage because it's a crime is one of those things that is so horrifying to me because you were just living your life. You were going on a trip, you're driving to work, and then you were just plucked out of your life like that. It just is so awful. And it's not like a death that's expected or that you think, well, you're doing something that's high risk. You're not jumping out of an airplane, you know? And then somebody decides to fire a fucking gun at you. Okay, there's a couple who had six kids and they were heading to an anniversary trip and they were on a North Carolina interstate and an irate driver fired into the couple's white GMC Yukon around 11.40 a.m. And he hit Julie Eberly in the passenger door of her vehicle. And her husband, Ryan, calls 911 and he says, some guy just shot into my car, my wife's hit, she's bleeding badly, I need help now. She's breathing, very labored. The call was 10 minutes long, this is so heartbreaking. Apparently during this call, he's pleading with his wife, stay with me, please keep breathing. Stay with me, stay with me. Ugh. Awful. So the dispatcher is telling him to keep pressure on the wound and keep her airway open. Six minutes into the call, he says he can't tell if she's breathing. And then he does confirm she stopped breathing. Then I'm not going to read the rest of it. It's just sobbing and horrible. And you can imagine mm -hmm. the love of your life, mother of your children. Right. So awful. So what happened is, 
The investigation revealed a road rage encounter unknowingly developed after the victims, GMC Yukon, came close to a suspect's Chevy Malibu during a merge into a lane. The suspect then pulled along the victim's side, rolled down his window, and fired multiple shots into the passenger door. Mm. All right. Ryan later told local station that he had changed lanes but didn't see another car was coming up behind him. He said, I didn't know he was going around me. I pushed him to the shoulder mistakenly, and as soon as I was able, I gave him room to get back onto the highway, and there was no car contact. But the driver of the sedan allegedly took his rage out on the couple, firing shots into the vehicle as he passed, and then he exited, and an eyewitness called 911 to report the deadly encounter. And I think about a week later, they found him. And I hope that was worth it, bruh. I hope it was worth it. Stupid. So the other day, Curtis and I were run off the road by a road rager. And if Curtis hadn't swerved, the guy would have plowed into our side. I mean, we're in the right lane. He's comes up behind us and Curtis is like what just happened we're going like 30 you know well the guy zooms around and then angles his car right in front of our bumper where we had to run onto the sidewalk to to not get hit mm. and those things are so scary mm-hmm. because what if he'd hit us if we'd stopped when he hit us was he gonna get out of his car with a baseball bat just gonna have a gun you know and Curtis thankfully did not engage he did not react at all Nothing. Um, I mean, you've been road raged, right? This is in LA. Of course, you have so many times. I told you about the example where we were on a switchback in Ukiah. That was really scary. The guys got out of their car. We were in in the middle of a mountain. Like they slammed on their brakes. There was like no safety railing or anything on this mountain. We could have just gone off the side of the fucking mountain. Another time when I was in college, I'm going on to campus and I'm at a stop sign. And this girl is on her cell phone and she's not going. So I just go. And that pisses her off. And she followed me for whatever reason. At first I thought, well, maybe we're both looking for a parking space. And once I pulled into a parking space, she pulled her vehicle behind mine to block me from pulling out. And then she rolled her window down and she was punching her steering wheel and cussing me out. I'm in art school, so I have mountains of like art equipment I have to carry across campus. So I've got a tub of art supplies. I've got an easel. I've got all this stuff. And I'm walking across campus through the parking lot and she's following me side by side, cussing me out, you know, on Game of Thrones where they're following that naked woman going, shame, shame, shame. She was just screaming at me, you motherfucking white trash whore over and over again. And I was like, I'm not going to engage with this person. Clearly they want to like get into a a physical altercation. So I just hung my head and just kept walking. And then a guy that was in a class with me saw what was going on and he came over to my defense. And then the two of them got into it verbally. Oh, he engaged. Oh yeah. Yeah. And to my shock, because he was an Asian guy, she started calling him like every Asian slur Good Lord. It was crazy. It was fucking crazy. I was like, she's probably going to go back and find your car. Exactly. That's what I thought. But I couldn't figure out why she freaked out like she did. Because it literally the only thing I did was go out of turn at a stop sign. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly a, a measured response to somebody doing that. No. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. So that article I just read um, about the Julie Eberly murder was from Yahoo uh, by Jill Sederstrom, April 5th. So have you ever engaged in road rage yourself? 
I don't because like there's a lot of things that go through my head when someone approaches me aggressively. One, I don't want to get sued. So let's say I know karate and I can take them down. What's going to happen when I take them down and like, like if I punch them or whatever, I could get sued. So that's one thing that pops into my head. But also I know that if I'm aggressive, it's just going to make the situation worse. I'm a rational person for the most part, and I can control my anger. But see, Uh, that's the thing about road rage, you know, even super rational people become maniacs behind the. But isn't that a choice? Of course it is. This is what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, it's like I always say, like, we wear pants to work. We also need to wear emotional pants when we go out in public. It's a choice to let your emotional junk fly out. Yes. I want to talk about how to not be a road rager yourself. I have a very firm belief, and I just drilled it into my kids' heads when I was teaching, and I had so many students come back and report how effective it was in their lives. If you want to live a calmer, more peaceful life, it starts with road raging. And if you never drive and you live in New York and stop sidewalk raging, okay, you know what I'm talking about. When you flip out at somebody and when I would teach my interpersonal classes, the theme of my classes was always calm the fuck down. We all need to calm the fuck down. And I didn't say fuck, I said F because I was a classy college teacher. And so I'd say, all right, y'all, we got to calm the F down. Just calm the F down, you know. And my students started saying it. And I really loved it when one of my, my students would say to me, okay, I'm trying to calm the F down, like you say, you know, but I'm really <laughs> upset about this. And I was like, okay, right. it's working, but you know. But then it's, it's real easy to say, you know, how to not road rage, calm down. Okay, but what do I do? Okay, okay. so I'm going to give like the exact thing to do. So people like to say, you know, count to 10. Take a deep breath, do some meditation, calm down that way. But my advice is is not just to do something inside your own head, but it's to take action. And if you do this, I promise you, your road raging will decrease or even stop completely. Every time somebody road rages you or does something that you don't like in traffic and you are tempted to react towards them, instead, say to yourself under your breath, I love you. Okay. And you're expressing love for that person in that car. And that might sound like the batshit craziest thing you can think of, but I'm telling you, it works. And there's a lot of reasons why it's effective, but I know it's effective because it worked on me and it works on my students. Because you're not just thinking something in yourself where you're just clinchy. If you, if you express that love, even for people who are pissing you off, especially people who are pissing you off, it's this little psychological trick that it gets your brain into a different spot. And you also get to go, oh, okay. It's kind of fun and it's kind of funny. So you're already giving yourself different energy, right? Yeah. And you can't express it at the person. Like you can't roll down your window and scream, I love you. Right, right. <laughs> is this, that- is what, this is what a lot of people do. And I will say it will escalate rage if you tell someone, God bless you. Right. When they're, when they're right, raging. Right. Or yeah. I forgive you. Like, no, 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 don't do no. that. You're only expressing it to yourself. Okay. And, and, and it works, not just, I love you. You can express something hilarious towards the person, you know, well, if you don't, want the to do point that, is to you redirect can. your energy. And it happens like right. that, right. that it redirects your energy. Singing a hollow notes song also is a good strategy. Right. You're going to start singing. What song are you singing? 
It's a bitch girl and it goes because <laughs> you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. See, aren't you already happier? I'm already in a better mood. Yeah. I don't feel like road raging at all. <laughs> the reason why it's so important and it will change your life, I promise you, listeners, is when you road rage, it seeps into other parts of your life. You get to places upset. You get to places angry. When you finally get there late, you have gotten yourself so worked up that, um, I don't know the statistic I used to know when I would, would teach, but when you get really angry, there's like a certain amount of minutes or hours before you get back to normal. But if you never actually go to that angry place, then you get to arrive somewhere calmer. And also like having anger or anxiety about this perceived slight, how is it helping you? Is it moving you forward? Is it progressing the situation forward? Because the person that slighted you, and this goes for everything, the person that slighted you is not thinking about you. They have moved on. They've done their damage and they have moved on. You're the only one thinking about it. So what benefit is there to you? It's like that thing we talked about though with revenge. Like what, what do you get out of it? What is it doing? What is it feeding you, you know, to feel better about running someone off the road or Yeah, yeah. Like it's such risky behavior too. And it could have such a bad result. And and once the adrenaline of the anger is worn off, you don't want like a dead kid on your head or killing someone's wife, ruining your life. I'm not saying you should always roll over. I mean, sometimes you do have to protect yourself, but protect yourself strategically because anger is not a very sophisticated weapon. (laughs) We'll just put Hmm. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So So if you're going to attack to protect yourself, be strategic and sophisticated about it. And of course, we're talking metaphorically. We're not talking about like someone's trying to attack you physically. Mm -hmm. Right. right, I'm saying like we're talking about protecting your pride, right? Because the only reason you're going to road rage is like you feel slighted in some way. And and the car is like the Internet, right? We feel so protected by the car. Yep. Yep. The only reason you're doing that. It's because you got the protection of your car. Yep. I've thought about it ever since my one terrible road rage thing that a guy did to me in LA. He was chasing me and I kept making left turns and and he's screaming out his window at me. He's screaming, stop your fucking car, bitch. And I was like, yeah, I just really want to stop my car. I'm going to get out of my car and have a calm conversation with you, you know? And it was about like 530 in the morning. It was still dark because I opened the office where I worked in Burbank and I was by myself. And, and so I pull into my parking lot, trying to get away from him, thinking he wouldn't turn into the parking lot. Well, he did. And he pulled up right next to me. And I looked him right in the eye, which I know I shouldn't have. Because if there's something happening, don't make eye contact. Just like a grizzly bear. By the way, this is free grizzly bear advice. If you are faced with a grizzly on the trail, you do not ever, ever look him in the eye. That is an act of aggression and they will come at you. Same thing with road ragers, same thing with angry people. Just keep your head down and you just don't even look at them. But those of you who've ever witnessed pure animalistic rage, you know that look in the eye because all humanity had left this man and he was in a suit and in a Mercedes and he was dressed for work and he was, you know, but all humanity had left this man. And if he'd had a gun, I promise you, he would have shot me. And so I turn and he turns and I turn and he turns and he followed me for a good three or four minutes. That's pathetic. And then I made eye contact with him. I said, are you following me? And then he was like, get out of your fucking car. I was like, what do, we, what do you think he would have done if I gotten out of my car, Marie? 
I offered have, to buy me tea? I have no idea. <laughs> Was he going to beat me up? Anyway, okay. Um, I wonder if we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Okay. I mean, is it clear to people what road rage is, do you think? Well, to simplify it, when I say road rage, I'm talking about when you act in any way towards the other person, either verbally inside your car screaming at the person, using a gesture at the person, driving aggressively towards the person, following the person up to and including violence. So you're not road raging unless you start behaving in a certain way. So what if somebody uh, does something I don't like in traffic and I just very calmly look up into my rear view mirror and just take my finger and slash it across my throat like that? <laughs> But I'm not aggressive when I do it. Would that be considered road rage? You know, that's kind of that's that's kind of what I would call passive aggressive road rage. <laughs> okay. It's like when you whisper a death threat to someone. Right. You know, it's, it's a little bit. Um, that's what I do. Bit. I just smile really big and go yeah. right across. Y'all my should throat. see how fucking creepy this is. Looking at Marie, slicing <laughs> her finger across her throat while she grins from ear to ear. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that counts as road rage. If they see you, do it. Yes, it counts as road rage. <laughs> and then if they start like cussing me out and stuff, then I'm like, <laughs> I just, I, I wag my finger, no. And then I just slice across my throat again. <laughs> you think that'd get him to stop? I don't know. I think I would I think laugh. it's a good way to get shot. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding? No, it's funny. Come on. Okay, so another tragic story. Sorry, y'all. But then there's a little bit that comes out at the end of it that is a little hopeful. Okay. All right. So this happened in Colorado in 2018 in a town called Westminster. And there was a woman named Megan who was taking her three sons to the dentist. And there was an emergency vehicle behind them. And Megan tried to pull over, but there was a sedan that was in the right lane that wouldn't let her over. And this is according to one of her sons who was in the back seat. The man driving that car swore at Megan and didn't let her move over and then started following them. And Megan pulled into the parking lot of a place called Children's Dentistry. And she took out her phone and shot a picture of his black Toyota Corolla. And so she and her children got out of the car and he came up to her and they got into an argument. This guy's name is Webster. And they got into an argument. And at some point he pulled out a handgun Okay. This isn't a children's dentistry. There's three little boys right here. I think they're like eight, 12 and 14. And he starts shooting. And he shot, he shot Megan multiple times. He shot her 13 year old son and he shot her eight year old son. What? He shot the kids too? Yep. Cooper, who was 12, ran away and was not shot. Megan and her eight year old son were critically injured, but they ended up surviving. The fourth person, whose name was John Gale, was also shot in a nearby vehicle. I mean, this guy was just firing everywhere. He ended up surviving as well. However, 13-year-old Vaughn Bigelow Jr. later died. This guy was caught because she had taken that photo. And she was in the hospital, but the 12-year-old knew how to unlock her phone and figured out that the picture was on there and gave that to the cops, and they found the guy. And he was a 20-something guy. He just looks like just an average kid who just... You know, but one of the things that I'm going to say that um, gives you a little bit more hope, and this is from the Denver Post, and as a tribute to Vaughn, who had, who had been murdered. I have the website. It's called Big Waves, Inc. It was formed by Vaughn's parents because they want to support the sport of water polo in Colorado, which is what Vaughn loved to do. This little athlete was really into it, and they are distributing gun locks 
And you can even get a free gun lock to keep your gun safe away from your kids if you fill out paperwork. And they want you to contribute something to the cause, of course. But what they're talking about is responsible gun ownership. And so the dentist in that office, Dr. Whalen said, a conversation about two months before they launched it with the Westminster police officer sparked the gun lock safety idea. And there's nothing about the Second Amendment. I went to their website and it's literally like in all these capital letters. We are not against the Second Amendment. We're not about that. We're about keeping guns away from kids. And we want people to be responsible gun owners. So we advocate gun safety and safe gun storage. Huh? And that is, if you are in any way against that, then I don't think you need to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> Like, no, I need my kid to be able to play with my loaded handgun all the time. No, 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 no. You need to just not listen to me because you and I are not going to be friends. <laughs> There's a best-selling book on Amazon right now, um, How to Talk to Your Cats About Gun Safety. Um, it's really, it's a really great book. The cats? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, br- when we take a break, I'll, I'll bring the book and show it to you. <laughs> It's a joke. Shit up. Am I drunk? No, it's. Are you it's, saying cats? You want to talk to your cats? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Am you I know. Punked? No, no. Like, I mean, Harper could just be when she was playing <laughs> in that box. What if there was a gun in there? She doesn't have thumbs. She could put her paw around the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, have a y'all. Go talk to your cats about gun safety. I think that's important. So the other story I found. It goes straight into the irony column. This is from NBCNews.com. And this was, there's a dude who uh, is named Gary Lynn Durham. So he served 11 years behind bars because he'd killed a man in a 2001 road rage dispute. Now, I would think he might learn the error of his ways. Of course. But because Florida, no, he did not. And he got into a confrontation with another motorist named Robert Paget at about 6.30 a.m. a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, in Plant City, Florida. That sounds like a nice place. Sorry. Plant City? You live there. I, I take that back. Um, but they were going back and forth on a road rage thing. And the shooter had tried to avoid and evade him. And this is the quote from the police. At some point, the deceased guy ended up getting in front of him and stopping in the middle of the roadway, getting out and coming back and confronting him. This is the dude who went to prison for road rage. Right. He spent 10 years in prison. For road rage. And road rages, as soon as he gets out, he's like, yeah, this sounds good. So Paget felt threatened. And because Florida, he fired at least one round from his semi-automatic handgun and administered CPR in Durham while waiting for deputies to arrive. Now, the road rager didn't do the killing. Someone else road raged against Someone else had a gun and defended themselves against this guy. And what I'm trying to picture is, if I am that guy who is, the person gets in front of you and stops in the middle of the road and comes at you and you can't get around them. I'm not saying you should shoot someone dead, but I can certainly understand feeling like this guy's fucking lunatic, right? Well, this story, when I read it, really brought again to the heart of the conversation that we had last week about road rage that I'm trying to figure out. Because we talk all the time about serial killers and rapists and different people who commit crimes and why they do it. You know, we've talked about head injuries. We've talked about sexual abuse. We've talked about maybe in some cases, people are just evil, right? It's a combination of things. But road rage seems to be something that affects a lot of different people. People that you would consider to be 
regular people. However, do regular people, like people that don't have criminal tendencies, pull a gun out of their car over a traffic violation? Or are the majority of these people that are like punching someone to death or like, cause this guy, the guy that went to jail, he punched a man so hard in the face, right? I think that's what it was, yeah. He gave him like a brain hemorrhage. So I feel like that these people spill over into other areas like bar fights. Like you're always hearing about people getting knifed or or shot in a bar fight. And I, I mean, many episodes ago, I talked about someone stabbing someone with a turkey a meat thermometer at a movie theater like yeah I mean I would have to just get a safe room and like cloister myself away and not go out anymore if I thought that the average human being that's driving on the road is capable of shooting me because they're not you want some good news they're not statistically speaking okay the people who engage in the road rage where they're the ones who continue past just flipping the bird or just saying stop it or just tapping your brakes or the ones who escalate it the ones who commit the violence those are not your normal average people the people who are doing that kind of behavior are the ones that are aggressive and violent in other parts of their lives most likely now what i'm talking about are the people who think that an innocent little gesture like just flipping the bird is is like not going to be that big of a deal that's a road rage event as well right you're not being violent but you are you're inviting someone into your life when you flip them the bird and so you might be a little road ragey and flip someone the bird and think they moved on, but what if they don't? What if it's like- Okay, I gotta play devil's advocate here though. Okay. Because when we're talking about other types of crimes and I say someone is inviting violence or whatever, you'll always question me and say, well, you shouldn't put it on the victim or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, there is some type of provocation. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh I'm raising, y'all can't see me. I'm raising my hand to be called on. Oh, yes. Um, Miss, Miss Harris. It's a good thing to address because I'm not saying you're inviting violence. Okay. This is what I'm saying is that you don't know who you're inviting into your life. There's yeah. a difference. And I have on my website, a road rage related blog. It's voraciousvoyager.com. And I'll put the link on our website too. When you are faced with someone who has done something that bothers you, whether they're driving or whether or not you're sitting at a restaurant or a bar. And they've said something that offends you and you don't want that person in your life, then there's only one solution. And that is to not invite them into your life. Because if you engage with a road rager, you have begun a relationship with that person. You have invited them into your life. If you respond to someone hitting on you at a bar with, you know, go fuck yourself and you throw your drink on them, you have invited them into your life and you have formed a relationship with them. The only way to not is to not engage. That's the only answer. So think about it when you are faced with somebody who's flipping you off or honking their horn or whatever. Think, is this somebody I want to invite into my life? Do I want to have a relationship with this maniac in the truck behind me? The answer is obviously no. And so any response that you give invites them into your life. That's what I'm saying. That can be across applied to a lot of other areas too. Yes, absolutely. The word relationship doesn't mean that you are best friends. You know, it just means that you have invited them into your life. You have said, come on in. We are both in this. And if you don't want them to be in your life, then you need to not be in their life. You need to. And the same thing goes when you... We're going to, we could talk all about breakups, right? And other episodes talk about breakups. Well, you say like, 
I don't want to talk to you anymore. And then they call again and you go, remember I told you I don't want to talk to you anymore. Well, every time you talk to them, you are talking to them, even if it's to tell them you don't want to talk to them. Yeah. So it's the same idea, right? If you don't want them in your life, you know how you do that is to not have them in your life. Right. And so when I tell my kids, told my kids when I was teaching, it all begins and ends with road rage in part it's because it bleeds over into other aspects of your day. But it's also a really, really good way to start practicing how to not invite people you don't want in your life into your life because you are in your car. They're going to move on. You're going to move on and you won't even think about them anymore. If you flip them the bird and they chase you and they hit your car or they shoot you, yeah, all of a sudden you're going to remember them. Does that make sense? What I said? Uh, yeah, to I'm totally, I'm totally on board okay. with you. Um, DMV.org. They talk about what road rage is and like how to deal with it. And it was interesting because a lot of things that you've said you should do, they also say. So good. Don't engage. Yeah. Do they not basically engage. Say, That's the headline. Do not engage. Preventing road rage. They say put on soothing music like Hall and Oates. They don't say like hollow notes. I just said, oh, they should say hollow notes. Get into the mentality that you are sharing the road and that nobody is perfect. Refrain from making eye contact or obscene gestures. The eye contact thing is another invitation in that context, right? Like, here's the thing about this level of anger. It escalates someone to where they are unable to function within their human part of their brain, where you're so angry that you have revved your pulse up to where you're an animal. Mm -hmm. and, and so when somebody is in that zone of anger, they are not behaving like a human. They are not thinking like a human. You cannot attribute human behavior and motivation to them. And so those kinds of like, like I told you when this guy tried to, he actually did run us off the road. He would have hit us if we hadn't swerved. Like he was not thinking as a normal, rational person in that moment. He was in, mm -hmm. in his animal mode. And so if somebody's in the animal mode and you look them in the eye, you have invited that aggression into your life that you don't want in your life exactly yeah just like a grizzly bear don't look them in the eye so here's some um, some other interesting things on webmd this is a psychologist by the name of ava cadell she says that road ragers don't see the offender meaning the person that did the traffic thing that upset them as a person they thingify the person yes um this psychologist and instructor at the institute for I think this is a misspelling. It says fur. It's just got to be four, right? It, it says fur? It says at the Institute F-I-R. Oh, no. On WebMD? Whoops. Oh, I, at the Institute, were, I thought you were just being Texan. No, at the Institute Fur. The Institute Fur. The Advanced Study of Sexuality in San Francisco. She says the heavy metal of a car is a safe haven. Road ragers don't think about the consequences or even about the people on the road as real people or families. I mean, I could even see someone, you motherfucker. And then like all of a sudden, oh, Bob, it's you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Hey, how's it? How's your game this afternoon? Or, or what? Yeah, how's the kids? Yeah. How's the kids? <sighs> In LA, I've even seen a circumstance where someone was getting cut off by Jennifer Aniston. And when they saw it was Jennifer Aniston, they immediately weren't angry and they were like oh my god it's jennifer aniston like what <laughs> so if that wasn't jennifer aniston you were gonna like stab them yeah <laughs> you're gonna get out that gun that you keep in the glove box <laughs> right so we do have control we do have control and that's what i'm saying the car is providing people with anonymity and they're using it as a mask to not put their emotional pants on so that's what you gotta do
Yeah. And it goes back to this thing that, that it's a pet peeve of mine. People that are always like, you've got to be yourself. I have to be myself. Every time I've had someone tell me they have to be themselves, it's not because they're being stifled in terms of being a kind, loving person. Right. <laughs> it's because they want to be perverse or an asshole or say inappropriate things or just be a complete dick. And then someone's calling them out and they're like, I have to be myself. Yep. Yeah. Is one of my biggest peeves is people who say, I got to be myself. I got to be me. I'm just being real, you know, find me someone who says I'm just being real. And the next thing they say is something really sweet and kind. (laughs) Right, right. right. Everyone is just stopping me from being charitable. I don't understand it. (laughs) I'm just such a benevolent person and I'm being stopped. I don't know why everyone complains when I'm so nice all the time. Right. I'm just trying to give money to the poor. (laughs) I, I highly recommend if you want a good laugh, the Chappelle show has a, a skit on his show called when keeping it real goes wrong Ooh, okay. and it is great and there's this one episode where someone is calling another person and it's a wrong number and the girl thinks she's being pranked and she's like furious that someone is prank calling her so she star 69's the person and then like basically goes to kill them <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's kind of equivalent right like when you look at the scale of being rational like this one little car incident in your life is not worth going and murdering someone and a couple of articles i read cited a study that i bring up quite often and this article is from smithsonian magazine john calhoun in the 1960s did a study about what would happen if you overcrowd mice and it's called the sink behavioral study and what they found was that people started acting criminally when they were overcrowded rats sorry rats started acting criminally yeah Yeah. so there was an increase in rape and it wasn't even opposite sex rape it was like just indiscriminate raping which you'll see in prison right but there was like little tolerance between anyone like rat parents were murdering their children. It was pretty bad. There's a lot of other implications to this study, and it would be interesting to discuss it in a larger context, because it also relates to what we talked about at the beginning of our show, because some of the more dominant rats were able to separate themselves from the masses and create a safe haven. Those entitled rats. Those entitled rats. Yeah. But I think that cities can tend to be an environment where people act irrationally because of overcrowding, But the highway in particular during bumper to bumper traffic situations kind of mimics this overcrowding and it it creates anxiety and it stresses people out. I don't know how many times if we're having to wait in line for a long time in traffic, James just gets more and more anxious. Hmm. (laughs) He really, really needs to not live in LA. I know, I know. we can't there's an accident there's nothing we can do to change the situation Mm -hmm. that's the thing too you know you could be super stressed out and grip with the steering wheel and cussing and anxious and get there late or you could be calm and get there late you might as well listen to holy notes saying it's a rich girl or whatever but a ton of people just get and i'm not even talking about road raging i'm just talking about anxiety from Mm -hmm. traffic hour or whatever i agree but some of that that anxiety is what bleeds over into road raging 
absolutely you do not yes. have the road rage without the anxiety right, right. but you don't one without the other right right but you can stop it from snowballing if you yes. can keep the anxiety level down you're not going to go to a place where you're an animalistic shooter yes. of strangers in other cars and shooter of children marie children yeah, i mean that's just beyond a, children. that's beyond the pale to me that's why i think this moves into like territory of somebody with a psychological disorder or somebody who has criminal tendencies or has gone to jail or is on the path to jail because what do you think is going to happen when you point a gun at someone or you shoot someone what do you think the end result of that is going to be now you can beat someone up and not intentionally think that you're going to kill them but if you stab someone with a knife or you shoot them or you do any activity that is potentially a way to kill someone what do you think is going to happen exactly and, and frankly what do you you punch someone out and they fall a weird way and you paralyze them for the rest of their life. Do you want that? Because I feel like there is a difference between the behavior in the moment versus the people that escalate it to this extreme violence. And I don't think that this just relates to the road. I think it relates to all of life and anything that you can do to de-escalate a situation regardless, you yeah. know, like, because we all have egos too, right? So if someone is treating me poorly, I don't want to just get walked all over, but you got to evaluate the situation. Well, you have to say, is it really that they're coming at me? Is it really that it's about me? Because y'all, it's never about you. It's always about them. The right. other person is not coming at you to come at you. They didn't change lanes to fuck with your life. It's not about you, but it's also like, okay, I had a student one time. He was really confused when I tried to say, don't road rage no matter what, even if they're doing something, something. Yes. Even if like, and he really genuinely was a sweet kid. You could tell he's not one of those angry people. And he goes, well, how are they ever going to learn? And I was like, oh my God, it's my favorite question ever. I said, they're not going to learn from you. They're going to learn someday, but they're not going to learn from you because if you end up dead, first of all, that kid in Florida showed, he's not going to learn his lesson. So they're not going to learn from you. It's not your job. You're not the road rage police. And the second thing is, you know, people get to be assholes. I'm sorry, but they do. You know, they just do. You just don't want them in your life. They can go be an asshole elsewhere. Just go enjoy their asshole lives, but don't do it near you. And it might seem like, well, they can't be that way and treat me that way. You know what? Yes, they can. They can cut in front of you. They can piss you off. It doesn't mean you have to engage in their life. Just move on. We go to your movie or go to your whatever, get to work, get your coffee, move on. We could do a, a documentary where we like encounter, like, you know, you had your road rage experience. If you had like secretly found out where he lived and then started following him and it could be my road rage teacher. It could be like the, the octopus. It's the octopus teacher. <laughs> my <laughs> asshole teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm viewing the rager in his native habitat. <laughs> Uh-oh, it looks like he's getting angry again. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you ever see, I know I brought this movie up before. It's one of Allison and I's favorites, uh, is, uh, Something Borrowed. At the very beginning, John Krasinski is about to get into a cab, and then he get, he's not sure if his friend is not getting in the cab with him, and the cabbie's like, they're in New York, and the cabbie's like, interrupt. Interrupt! And John Krasinski just turns to me and goes, you need a hug, buddy. 
Yes, you need a hug. Just you need a hug. You know, sometimes you just need a hug. Did I ever tell you about my one time I did have a confrontation with someone and they told me I ruined Thanksgiving? Did I ever tell you about that? I was shopping the day before Thanksgiving, which is always a huge mistake. And the parking lot was completely full. And so people were waiting on this parking space. But the way that the car was backing up, you couldn't see. I was waiting on it, but someone was waiting on it in the other direction. As to who got there first, there's no way to know. But the way the car pulled out of the parking space, it gave me access to the space. So I took it. That's how it works. Well, apparently there was a woman standing in the parking lot that was trying to hold the space for her friend that was on the other side. Nope, 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 nope. No, that is a that is a crime as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right? So oh. I, I haven't told you this story. So no. I, I get out of my car and this woman comes barreling towards me. And she was like, I was saving that space for my friend. And I said, I was waiting for the space too. And she was like, we were here first. And I'm like, how do I know that? And she was like, you can't just take the space. And I said, I just did. <laughs> and she's like, you need to move. And I said, you're not the parking monitor. I would say she came to about my nose and height and she leaped up and chest bumped me. No. Yes. Very aggressively leaped up and chest bumped me. Did she get arrested? That's fucking assault. She did not get arrested, but there was a guard in the parking lot that came over trying to calm the situation down. Jesus Christ. And she was just cussing at me and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know why I'm still talking to you. So I turned to walk into the store and at the top of her lungs, and she's blocking traffic in the middle of this parking lot. She goes, you know what, you bitch, you fucking ruined Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What? Yeah. Oh, no. Yes. I think that's going to be the name of the show. (laughs) (laughs) But it gets even better. So I'm in the store. Because we're not going to cook Thanksgiving for ourselves. We're going to go to a friend's house for Thanksgiving. I asked her what to bring. And she said she wanted me to bring stuff to make margaritas. So there's going to be like 20 people there. That's all that's in my cart. Tequila stuff and margarita stuff. And the local news channel is there recording a special about shopping the day before Thanksgiving. And you were on it. So of course... They see my cart filled with margarita shit. (laughs) And so they interview me for the news. No. What did they want you to say? Why do you have to margarita? They were like, can we interview you or whatever? And then for a few minutes, they had a disagreement about how they could like adjust the lighting so I wouldn't look so, so bright. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're like, why? Like you reflect the sun. Uh, Yeah. The cameraman was like, they did have a conversation about whether or not it would look off-putting how pale I was. And then the person was like, "Um, so this is not your typical uh, Thanksgiving feast. (laughs) So what's going on here? And I'm like, well, you know, it's just hard sometimes at the holidays. (laughs) And then I started laughing. I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to have margaritas at Thanksgiving. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) You did not. I did. That was. Do you still have that clip? No, I don't have the clip. So you never saw it? No. One of my classmates was like, oh my God, I know that really pale girl. (laughs) 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 Yes. No, I never saw it. But anyway, it was like the most bizarre thing. But but yeah, 
Okay. I, I guess we could probably wrap up our road rage here in a minute, but okay. um, so <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I always say to my kids about this stuff is we all have our little zones of control in this world. And the older you get, hopefully, often, the more peaceful you can become, the more you realize that zone of control is very close to you. It goes about an inch away from your body and that's it. And so people who think that their zone of control extends to the car in front of them or the car next to them, people in traffic, the woman in the movie seat, that's where you become unhappy. I mean, I know that we always say we don't give advice, but this is one of the episodes where I'm giving advice because this one is so important. So your acceptance of the little tiny amount of zone of control you have in this world is directly proportionate to the amount of peace that you can live with, that you get to live with. I think that that is such an amazing comment. It's almost ingenious what you just said. Really? Thank you. Yeah, the the idea of your perception of zone of control and how that affects how you treat other people and that in reality, your zone of control is that short space in front of you. But even if you go back to that rat study, you know, there were some yeah. rats there were some rats that were having a larger zone of control and it changed their perspective of life. Yes. And, um, it even goes to like people who say things like, you know, if somebody's rude to them in line at the grocery store, you know, then they well, she can't talk to me that way. Well, she's not within your zone of control. She gets to, I'm sorry. She gets to, she gets to sit over there and be an asshole. That's part of what I was trying to say too, you know? Yeah. So if the person who is doing something that you do not like, you can ask yourself a whole lot of questions. And number one is, is it within my zone of control? But number two is, do I want to invite them into my life? That's my takeaway advice for this. You know, I was at the grocery store one time standing in line and a woman behind me was like, hey, bitch, you can't put your stuff there. And I turned around like I was about to do karate and it was like a good friend of mine just fucking with me. Oh my God. <laughs> that is awesome. And she said... When I turned around, she was like, oh my God, I thought you were going to kick my ass. <laughs> and I was like, I totally was going to kick your ass. <laughs> you were going to be in the hospital. That is so funny. So I guess I don't road rage on the freeway. It's this grocery store where I Apparently. go. Yeah. I road raged a little bit in a grocery store parking lot in LA because a woman was bringing her cart instead of taking it all the way back to the little corral or to the store, she parked it outside my car door stopped it there and I, I made eye contact with me and I rolled down my window and I go excuse me I didn't road rage really but she goes what like I had done something wrong and I go you wouldn't like it if somebody did that to you and she just flounced away by the way you don't take your carts back to the corral you should stop listening to this show too yeah so, I agree I welcome you to go somewhere else for your crime talk yeah we're we're really opposed to that so yeah, I think there are two kinds of people in this world with those who take their carts to the corral and those who don't. I wholeheartedly agree. There you go. Know. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, do not road rage. Please just express love and sing hollow notes at people instead. Exactly. That's, that's our number one takeaway, right? Yep. Um, and don't don't road rage because it scares people in the car with you. Don't don't forget the people in the car with you don't want to have to put up. Yeah, bullshit I don't want to die. I don't want to die from road rage because yeah, you're exactly. an asshole. Exactly. Um, and I am on week two of not telling people to go to fearthispodcast.com and not telling people to go to iTunes and give us five stars. Um, but I'd love it if you loved us enough to do it. Yeah. I'd love you if you don't. Either way. Yeah. I mean. Uh, but I do think you should go to our website and subscribe right. there for life-changing content. 
it will change your life. We've established that over many episodes, but I know for some people, they're slow adopters. Yeah. You know? And that's okay. You, instead of road rage, why don't you road rage yourself right to our website? Subscribe there. Yeah. 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 Ra- take, take your rage out on the, the application and just hit it with five stars as hard as possible. <laughs> just be like, boom, I'm just going to smack five stars on you bitches sing yourself some hollow notes rich girl and yacht rock and then drop us five fucking stars yeah all right i think we might have salvaged a little bit of this i don't know i feel like we just recorded a whole nother episode i think we recorded for an hour i think we're gonna have like two hours oh fuck (laughs) damn it